This is a Federal News Network podcast. Military service members will get help with rising housing expenses starting in January. After a year of inflation and rising housing prices, the new budget gives service members a healthy increase in both housing allowances and a few other expenses. Federal News Network's Alexandra Lohr has more. Alex, what exactly is the new budget offering service members in pay and benefits? Well, aside from the 4.6% across-the-board pay raise that service members got, the big increase is in the Basic Allowance for Housing, or BAH. It's a 12% raise, and that's an untaxed subsidy that goes towards housing costs. There's also a Basic Allowance for Subsistence, which is how much service members get for their food. That went up 11%, which is the biggest hike in over 20 years. And then there are a couple of miscellaneous-type items they got. Well, Slim Jims are up about 15%, so that means some of that raise in the uh, basic allowances won't go quite as far as they hope, I guess. But, yeah, you're looking at me like you don't eat Slim Jims. (laughs) Oh, you need Slim Jims, and I'm sure service members eat lots of them. All right. And uh, that 12%, though, in basic allowance seems like a lot. Does it actually – does that blanket cover the bed, so to speak? That's a really important question. And when you look at it, it represents the average number of of, or the the average cost of housing increases on over 300 military housing areas. Of those housing areas, 291 saw increases in BAH. Four of them stayed the same, and then five actually went down. I was kind of interested in where housing was going down. And uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, went down 10 percent last year. But some of the housing areas actually saw uh, costs go over 20 percent, and the military actually had a a mechanism to help people out before next year for that. And so starting October 1st, areas that went up 20 percent, their BAH went up then, and that temporary BAH expires at the end of this month, and then the new budget starts the increased BAH beginning next month. All right. Excellent. And of course, on the civilian side of government, we have seen that their locality pay is going up by 0.5 percent for civilian federal employees, in addition to the 4.1 percent base salary increase they're getting. And the president's pay council has a very elaborate process for establishing locality pay throughout the country. They added four or five new locality pay areas. When it comes to deciding for DOD housing increases, what's their process for figuring out why it should be 12, 11, 13, or whatever? I think it's an equally in-depth process, Tom. It includes uh, a survey data from the U.S. Census Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics, Consumer Price Index, and then some general commercial subscription real estate databases like probably MLS, uh, and industry-leading online rental listing websites, and then input from the military services and their local military installation housing offices. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Alexandra Lohr. And the real estate that this rent increase, this housing allowance increase is going to, the DOD has been grappling with substandard housing, dealing with contractors that operate the housing. This is going on for years now. What's the status now? Are they still working on those problems, trying to improve things? And uh, what's the general situation with respect to contractor-operated housing and rentals? 
they're still working on the problem. And there have been numerous IG reports saying, hey, you got to fix this. Uh, the two big things is, is the physical units on military bases have just haven't been updated, haven't been repaired. They have leaks. They have mold. It's been a problem. There is a, um, a, a big allotment in this new budget to kind of fix some of that stuff up and also build new houses for them. The other one is a company called Balfour Beatty, and they own 43,000 military housing units on 55 bases across the country. And in 2019, they pleaded guilty towards defrauding the government because they really hadn't been managing those units very well. So they've had more oversight, and they say they're trying to fix everything. And hopefully between those two things, military members will see better housing in the future. Aside from housing, what about the other costs? So there are a couple things with that. Uh, Number one, there's that basic allowance for subsistence. And as I said, that goes up 11% in January. That's about 450 a month extra for enlisted service members and 311 for officers. It's the biggest year-over-year increase since 2002 when DOD overhauled the BAS rules. Uh, there's also a couple of other things. In 2023, the budget will also include a basic needs allowance that would give extra cash to service members whose pay is less than 130 percent of federal poverty guidelines, as described by the Department of Health and Human Services. There are other miscellaneous allowances in there, too, including more money for service members with dependents and military changes of duty station. All right. So enhancements pretty much in housing and what happens inside the housing. That's right. Food and housing. And Alex, while we have you, I wanted to ask you about another story you have been reporting on that promises pretty well for 2023, and that's a joint project between DOD and the Energy Department. And they are getting Texas involved, the Austin Center for Manufacturing and Innovation, to find new ways to get things manufactured quickly for the DOD using a private sector kind of partnership. What's going on there? Right. So it's a real interesting partnership. There are a couple things going on with it. It's obviously the Defense Department is looking for ways that they can bring things to manufacturing faster than they have in the past. And so they set up something where they're going to use the Defense Production Act Title III program to create a fast track towards producing non-fossil fuel energy, energy independence, right? And so this pilot program gets ACMI, the company in Austin, with the Department of Defense to have private investors fund a dual-use project where they create chemicals, and those chemicals are used for making weapons, and they're also used in agricultural purposes. So as they go along, they have private funding. Once the pilot expires, they can then move up to like a 25 to 1 ratio of investors to government funding as they bring these products to manufacturing. Got it. I guess when you combine the idea of chemicals with fertilizer or agriculture and DOD needs, it sounds like they're trying to ramp up the production of energetics, as they call them, the things that go bang when the missile hits. It kind of makes sense. I always knew that fertilizer was explosive, and so it makes sense that they would have chemicals that work both for defense and for agriculture. Yeah, interesting. I mean, military energetics are a high-tech field there, too. And so... Have they actually produced anything yet, or is this just a promise that's going to happen as the year unfolds? It's in production, and what ACMI actually does is put together the funding. They don't actually make things. They just get the investment going with the government help so that they can scale production a little faster. Federal News Network's Alexandra Lohr. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on, Tom.
And be sure to check out all of her reporting at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, I'll take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, uh, send in some of my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn, uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by always happy, always enthused, uh, has a, has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, so often when he'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out and come on, you know, like, look at, look at Terrell, like he, he, he faces everything with optimism. And, and, and I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from from their last competition, and they're so committed, and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs and 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 I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a the athletes of Special Olympics that. Uh, 
I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give uh, working the Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I, I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the at special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the greatest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.